Namaskar, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of my conversations with uh, Shankar Bhardwaj Khandavali. Today, the topic that we have is uh, I wanted to start from languages and how do we uh, take on this conversation about Hindi being imposed on the rest of the nation. Um, the idea of nation or Rashtra itself needs to be looked to address this. Uh, and I have found Shankar's uh, lectures with us uh, on the Dharma Rajya a very important um, sort of narrative in this whole area. Uh, to address these issues and so i thought that you know we wanted to pick this conversation up uh, with shankar uh, so welcome shankar so good how do we with that context how do we <clears throat> how do we so yesterday we had a a, a sangam talk um, by a, a doctor and a phd in uh, in one college in up and the title of the talk was Kya Matri Bhasha Ke Bina Rashtravad Ka Nirman Ho Sakta Hai. The speaker was very, very well aware of why Matri Bhasha of all our individual states needs to be sort of respected and come out in the sort of a. The, but the idea of Rashtra remained over there. And that is when it triggered this thought that, you know, maybe my ideas are very weak. In, in, whole, in this whole business called Rashtra, we look at India as a nation. There are other people who are saying that uh, these days that India is really a continent. And it's actually a European Union thousands from thousands of years uh, ago in, in some ways. And Sankran Sanu uh, in his lectures with Sangam Talks and uh, you know in other conversations, also in the Hindu Charter, we talked about uh, all languages, all Indian languages, and taking all our learning even to higher education. You could, should be able to do your MBBS in, in Tamil and Kannad and Hindi and Bengali in Bangla. So that, that is the whole picture and the background of all of this. Now, how do we look at the idea of Rashtra? Is it a nation? Is it the union of holding together of states like a federation and that's probably my starting point is it like a is it a us like federation is that how india should be looked at maybe we'll start from there we have actually two orthogonal concepts the rashtra and the rajya rashtra is the organic whole it is the geography the culture the people the ways of life the institutions everything put together becomes your rashtra the political unity is a subset of it but the political unity is not the one defining the Rashtra. That's the main difference between a nation state and your Rashtra. Nation state is a, a state driven unit where the state also represents the nation. In a Rashtra Rajya, they are two orthogonal entities. There is a Rashtra, there is a Rajya, a subset a meant, to meant to govern it, but it's not. The Rashtra can exist even without Rajya being defined. So if we uh, look at the traditional geography, we have this uh, concept of Desha, right? Uh, if, if you define one Dharmic being, how is he going to define himself? Desha, Dharma, 
deva so these three things are integral to his uh, life i mean this we get to hear even in uh, recent conversations in many circles but the, these three need to be put in perspective to understand what rashtra would be so we have this uh, 56 or the 56 deshas all these things and desha is also intertwined with all the cultural uh, aspects let us say the language is there we call them desha bhashas so we have those uh, each desha has its bhasha so the geo cultural unit in a proper sense is a desha rashtra is more abstract in that it contains the institutional structure and everything and it also has as a subset the rajya also the raja also so uh, and from the rigveda also we have this right and from the vedic times this concept of rashtra existed rashtram dharayatam from there is a rashtra sukta then there is a vagambhani sukta where the rashtra is uh, mentioned devi says i am the rashtri itself aham rashtri sangamam oh my god just uh, elaborate on that a little bit so you are saying that the 10 tribes i'm also trying to understand especially the rigveda that we, we've just had some lectures that there are 10 tribes and then attacking each other and sanjeev sanyal very very beautifully says that the genesis of the modern uh, not modern the genesis of the indian rashtra if you like or the other civilizational nation actually came into being with that uh, that 10 uh, tribe war because bharata if i'm not wrong or is it sudas i'm not sure uh says that even we have defeated the even though we have defeated the other tribes the the rishis and the uh, asuras and the deities of all of those tribes are also ours we are all one i mean there is no distinction that he makes and so this is that is the genesis of the indian civilization where multiple uh, roads lead to the same truth so that idea is reflected there definitely but whether it is genesis or not is not known it could have a predecessor <laughs> it could have a predecessor. so i i am not really a fan of chronological uh, origin tracing i mean this started here and then developed because we know very little about the remote past whether that is a continuation of something else because bharata as we know uh, all the literature we know of refers to the bharata the bharata bharata kanda its geography is very clearly demarcated but bharata itself was uh, it had a predecessor they we used to call it ajanabha or the navel of brahma so civilization uh, originated here is what we think not mankind civilization all we know is in this form what we know comes from that so as we know arthashastra we know it I mean what preceded it and what all existed before which reshaped into the arthashastra as we know of today we don't know similarly what all existed which reshaped into veda and purana as we know today we don't know and it is said that they are only reshaping there is a permanent knowledge so as a dharmic i would see it that way for us time is cyclic these things keep coming again so in that sense if rashtra is there in uh, enshrined in the veda which is our permanent knowledge we should treat it as a permanent concept Yeah, so in that sense, uh, uh, when we say uh, if Rashtra is enshrined in the Veda itself, which is our permanent knowledge, 
we would treat it as a permanent concept rather than as a temporal concept so we have always known what a rashtra is and its practical manifestations would be there through the deshas through the rajyas and all this when we say uh, rashtra and when we know that rashtra is enshrined in the veda uh we know that since veda is permanent knowledge rashtra is a permanent entity it has that permanent relevance so in whatever shape it existed how long before it existed all this becomes not very relevant and its practical manifestations would be like the desha the rajya all this thing. so we can take that to be a permanent entity and today what we understand uh, i mean living aside the post colonial state the geocultural entity is the desha so the desha dharma deva is what individuals follow desha has a bhasha and then there is an orthogonal set of institutions corresponding to the rajya there is a raja there is a rajya there is a mantranga there is an administration the political the military all these aspects that hierarchical structure is the rajya and it has its own geography there is a separate geopolitical entity and there is a separate geocultural entity this distinction we really need to understand the desha is the geocultural rajya is the geopolitical and rajyas can be part of a desha or rajya can span many deshas based on how strong the political unity is the permanent entity is the desha that is why the languages evolved regardless of political units this is something we'll need to understand when we contrast with the nation state in the nation state one language one culture one nation so the language coincides with the geopolitical not the geocultural because the assume cultural and political units are aligning with each other once we make this distinction we can easily see how languages developed in this land uh, to take one example uh, uh, the best example i keep repeating is of the uh, carnatic music the music itself originated in one place it's called carnatic then a lot of majority of krutis uh, have been uh, rendered in telugu have been written in telugu by tyagaraja and others and they are mastered and sung by tamilians what more integration and harmony and multiculturalism do you need to demonstrate that the people and the society in general is like that it's not created by some political entity the moment the political entity came this actually got disrupted your linguistic state has disrupted this harmony in the nation linguistic state mane has the, the state which is imposing a certain linguistics on the moment you yeah the geopolitical aligning with the language language becoming a geopolitical instead of a geocultural is the uh, problem that is the one that actually disrupted this harmony so today now people uh, the moment you draw the political boundaries now you start creating rift between them people fight for water fight for language then they complain about language imposition i mean agaraja did not mind uh, living in a tamil state or a kannada state uh, writing in telugu talking in telugu or talking in kannada writing in kannada also people never had this problem this is created specifically by the nation state concept that we created that was imposed on us the nation state concept going to the current modern indian 
states you mean the the states organization so yes. one language to one region yes which was that's posted that's what the geopolitical is coinciding with geopolitical coinciding with the geocultural but so if it coincides or not it won't coincide because now the state obviously is not representing one geocultural unit today karnataka has tulu region karnataka region and some part of konkani region andhra pradesh had multiple regions now it broke down but still it has now two three deshas inside there is a trilinga desha andhra desha there is a uh, part of uh, kalinga desha also now orissa has some part of uh, odra so this geocultural usually can fall into two geopolitical units also now people there don't know how they are represented they are not represented properly you have, because you have put one language now there is only one telugu talked across andhra pradesh and the state actually incentivizes that language only but that's not what hindu kings did when krishna devaraya ruled a lot of languages were talked uh, spoken in his regions in the regions that he ruled and there was no problem in the flourishing of their languages the literature could be synthesized in many languages in many regions in his own capital different languages had flourished similarly Mar- marathas ruled a lot of uh, indian territory they did not impose Mar- marathi as a language they knew the difference between their deshabhasha and a governing language deshabhashas never suffered today they are suffering because we have put a nation state where the geopolitical and uh, geopolitical actually swallows and uh, dominates the geocultural we have not taken cognizance of the geocultural entity as part of our constitution we have not written the constitution for the nation we have written it to define a state which is purely a geopolitical entity uh, that's where the problem actually in that sense the problem is deeper it needs to be corrected at that level itself it's not merely an administrative problem the source of the administrative philosophy comes from the concept of nation state what examples would you perhaps cite from the constitution which tell you that it is a, it is a copy paste of the ideas of a nation state for example and it has called itself that a nation of states and each state so we don't no, find any cultural from france right it's i mean france is one geopolitical entity and one language correct so that nation state idea is very different from the even the indian nation state conception which is actually an amalgamation or like uh, economics textbooks say a holding together of the indian union the federation and Not, that's what so each state is still a geopolitical unit which aligns with one language one, one language assumption that is correct yes but that's not what nehru wanted in at at the time of independence it was actually states that sort of or communities that wanted reorganization according to linguistics i believe that's the story one hears which is also wrong because that's not a political way of uh, you know the language is not a political matter we have made it a political matter by associating language with a state at the time of independence we have merely uh, taken cognizance of these princely states the constitution makers did not take into cognizance the concept of the desha itself the the word desha or dharma or deva none of these words come in constitution anywhere 
to say that they had this understanding so they had not taken the geopolitical unit as the source for which they had to build a geopolitical entity they have merely taken the political entities into consideration and uh, created a further organization of those and just going back a little bit the 56 deshas i haven't heard about this so these are natural so across india across the uh, the territory of what would be called bharatvarsha these are yeah, today some of them fall outside indian boundary because yeah, yeah <laughs> i know lost a lot of yeah, yeah but i'm saying say the larger mahabharat yeah take that example uh, yeah that listing uh, uh, probably the anga vanga kalinga trilinga uh, you know then the chera okay all these uh, deshas okay uh, and these were taken cognizance of from a time immemorial uh, immemorial that's some in fact varahamahira itself list uh, uh, when he does the seismic region uh, distribution he does according to not uh, geopolitical boundaries he does according to these deshas or the geocultural boundaries which he knows are permanent entities within bharatavarsha i mean what are dividing whatever other subjects varahamahira does it's basically because we know that these regions this is the nature of this soil this is the nature of this desha this is the nature of these people this is the nature of this uh, uh, the vegetation there and all these things these are more permanent features that is what is the organic entity that we are really concerned with when the lifestyle of people or their language or ways of life are concerned they should become the source of uh any administrative policy instead of the other way around you say this is the now political entity we will put one uh, language with it one uh, style of political management one style of administration with it and all those things you have to basically reverse this and then keep dividing into districts which have no connotation either of the desha they could they are also purely yeah, administrative, administrative convenience so that's why post independence we have all these problems no the telangana problem came then the vidarbha grievance is there then the gorkha land grievance is there if desha is taken into consideration you would not have these conflicts which would basically get the modern indian state to understand that it is part of a ancient civilization and find its roots there rather than trying to <laughs> find its root <laughs> and and which is not just ancient it is permanent it is there today you can see the their lifestyle their uh, language all these things which we are slowly trying to erase yes. <laughs> which is sad yes. part and as part of it those languages are all being lost so language problem has source in this bigger problem but uh, very very interesting hmm i mean the link language and all that yes so i okay the link language problem is is one of the key things we want to probably understand so what what do you think about uh, how among these deshas what perhaps sanskrit was the link language earlier as people say i find it hard to believe because people traders merchants when they travel all over the region i don't know i i find it more natural to believe that some spattering form of sanskrit some broken <laughs> or or maybe multiple of those would have existed with, between different regions of the of the indian civilization yes and that also again that assumption if we remove the nation state assumption of one language whatever 
there is no need to have just one link language Lang uh, just like chakravarti's came your link languages would evolve according to convenience of the people let it remain organic it will evolve by itself you don't need to impose something from the top and say this is the nation correct. correct the In state sense, for the the state or the government has no business Uh, either yeah. imposing defining policy central five year soviet rules that brings me to milton friedman you know get the government out of so many places that it doesn't <laughs> need to be in yeah this is more uh, state than the government it's basically uh, saying that because we need a union we need certain traits that distinctly identify this union from other unions that's is that necessary i don't know because ultimately you are not using a national language practically an international language that you are calling and saying that it's national but anyway keeping that aside there is in fact that spirit probably existed in a feeble forms when they said that uh, all these are national languages all these things but practically we know what one two languages have been imposed correct is there a need to impose no is there a need to give freedom yes but that freedom should be the moment it is geocultural let us say within uh, uh, karnataka you can have multiple languages referred uh, used in different villages different towns or whatever that freedom automatically percolates upwards and uh, whatever is mostly used automatically becomes a link language so it's the moment it is bottom up instead of top down things will change i mean now we see the supreme court we hear some examples i don't know how true but you must speak in english and all that yeah yeah that is true so yes. and you are mocked if you can't talk and all so it, it that looks more like a you know top down uh, hegemonic uh, idea rather than a, it's not as if we are trying to suit the system to the people it is like you are creating a system by yourself and foisting it on people can has hindi Uh, evolved as a link language it did evolve i mean there is but at the same time there is no obviously there are a lot of politics i mean people complaining about hindi when they don't complain about english that is all <laughs> that hypocrisy is there at the same time it doesn't have to be done that way from the top yeah, yeah of course i mean this this notion still exists unfortunately even in the current government and i find it personally very sad to be honest that prime minister modi has to go to puducherry or in other places in tamil nadu and and give his uh, election speeches in english i was hoping that he would actually drop that and start giving uh, speeches in gujarati that will be much better rather than talking in hindi which would have very sensitive connotations yeah they relate to his language better than a common language yes Yes, I mean, and then have translators. No problem. What exactly. is this business of doing English? They can do it in Tamil also. What yeah, is that? In fact, that has actually harmed uh, languages. It has not helped languages yeah. in any way. In any That's way. true. I mean, because of Hindi being so, the Hindi heartland, for example, this whole definition is killing Bhojpuri, for example, in the Bihar region. There is actually I recently read a report that how Bhojpuri is being. Uh, systematically denigrated if not denigrated or i mean basically being ignored 
and it basically uh, barring the bhojpuri cinema or the song yeah, it doesn't know anything about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah see that that is not just that i mean take tamil nadu like uh, andhra pradesh telugu and tamil have not flourished after linguistic state as you expect them to get grants in the regional language research and all that actually the quality of literature has come down drastically i have surveyed the research abstracts in the telugu literature uh, over e it has come down drastically the quality of language is bad there is no quality literature that is getting generated yeah. so language is actually getting killed instead of developed and that is because you have not allowed language to be pursued by people now it is being pursued by the state state political entities which means political parties all this and that is why it is getting killed you leave it to the uh, people scholars will come scholars will generate language now there is a political correctness you associate with it in all academics it uh, okay uh, taking a slight uh, detour in every language you know there is this uh, in indian languages you know this grandhika vyavaharika difference right there is a written you you might be aware there is this grandhika vyavaharika distinction in indian languages right so yeah there is uh, at least in telugu i mean many languages also we have there is a written variant for the grandhika which mm-hmm. we write which is a formal language and then there is a vyavaharika which is the spoken language the spoken evolves fast we pick up uh, slang and all these things uh, grandhika is created because you want that idea to be conveyed across over centuries so things written maybe uh, in 12th 13th century by certain poets we understand them in the same sense they meant back then otherwise meanings of words changes the idiom changes in the colloquial version very fast over decades the meaning of the words changes so you don't know what they meant some time ago so for this the standard versions have evolved the grandhika versions so in that sense when we survey ancient literature we need to understand first of all what kind of variant it is and if it is meant for a permanent variant you know that it is not a spoken variant obviously the spoken variant would have been different that does not mean the spoken variant did not exist at that time so you have a sanskrit text from 5000 years ago that does not mean it was only written and not spoken there would definitely have existed a spoken variant which coexisted with that as we have today there are two different versions which have a very different uh, grammar not different grammar but the grammar is more formalized in the written variant so in also need this written variants to be systematized uh, but what we see in the uh, recent decades of uh, uh, linguistic research is that they have systematically killed the written variant grandhika is being destroyed in the name of you write things in a language that is too temporal it doesn't mean anything after a few decades that has actually caused a lot of damage to the development of the language yeah which would be the example in north would be english or assimilation of yeah so so spoken wise when you are talking to among people you can have english or urdu hindi or whatever but the development uh, of the sab chalta hai yeah exactly. okay got it but that is entering newspapers it is entering okay i get your point and academics because of this uh, you know 
socialist philosophy they are actually destroying the uh, written variant or the more systematized standardized versions of language there is a casteism aspect to it there is a populism aspect to it there is a you know political aspect to it but all this put together we are basically the language is getting destroyed yes i agree the kind of language that we have seen in 60s uh, 50s we don't get to see it now anymore so even in the interest of those languages we, we need to change these things and make them actually we we have to uh, rediscover the notion of the desha and uh, improve the uh, place of bhasha in our lives so thank you for that i think we we'll end this session here and pick up more topics on this because we have to really weave this whole idea of the desha and the civilizational state which is a copy like you said we we should yeah. get our own terms instead of civilizational state and probably a dharma rajya is a very good term so we'll pick some of these conversations up as we go along in more weekend settings venus thank you very much